Welcome, everybody, to the Stoke It Up podcast, a podcast encouraging you in your journey with God. I'm Alan Stoddard, and I am your host, and we are excited today to have Pastor Nick Katie on the Stoke It Up podcast. Nick has a new book out called The God I Won't Believe In. You need to get this book. I'm going to leave a link below. If you want to have the mindset of what it takes to have a conversation with people who have questions about Christ and the things we face as Christians and in life, you want to get this book. Very excited about it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Of course, we would appreciate that. We're trying to grow this thing. Share it out where you can and also subscribe where you do your podcast. Well, Nick Cady is the pastor of Whitefields Church. You're going to want to check it out, but let's jump in and see uh, where this goes today. Well, all right, everybody, I'm here with Pastor Nick Cady. If you don't know Nick, you need to get to know him. He is the lead pastor at Whitefields Church. Is it Whitefield or Whitefields? Whitefields with an S. Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. You need to go check out that website. I'll put it in the show notes. I did. You got some good resources on your website and is also connected with the Calvary Global Network. We call it CGN as the church planting leader. I don't know if that's the official way of saying it, but the connector uh, of, of all things church planting uh, with Calvary Global Network. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming on the Stoke It Up podcast. Alan, thanks for having me. What an honor. Amen, bro. Well, guys, uh, again, hit Nick up in social media. I'll put those things in the show notes. You definitely want to be connected because uh, we're all about mobilizing people for ministry the best we can. And we want to help each other accomplish the greatest purpose we could possibly have, which is the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations baptizing the evangelistic thrust and then teaching the disciple making thrust of the great commission. Now here's, here's what I wanted to do with Nick because I bought his book recently and I want to encourage all of you to buy his book. And I want you matter of fact, you need to buy a few of these. I bought about seven of them and started giving them away. And I'm going to buy a few more because this book is dynamite. It's called the God I won't believe in. And I thought we have got to have Nick on here. I want to just ask him some questions for 30 minutes and see what it looks like, because I think this book has a huge role to play in equipping people today to do evangelism relationally and with content, Nick. So, so Nick, tell us the origin of the book. How did it come about? I mean, those of us that have heard the story, we've heard the story, but why don't you state it again of how this thing went down? Uh, in the beginning. Yeah, well, it happened in a couple of different ways. It all kind of, a couple streams flowed into one river, if you will. And so one of those is that I host a radio show, a call-in radio show. So with that, I'm getting a lot of questions from people. We have a lot of people who call in the show who are not believers. Um, and so, you know, you get, you get your subset of people who want to know those really niche uh, questions about the Bible, revelation, et cetera. But then you also get people calling in um, who, you know, maybe they stumbled across the show and they have real questions. They're new to Christianity, or maybe they're struggling with something really honestly. That was one stream that came in. Another stream that came in was that we had a lot of families in our church who were having, uh, you know, teenagers who grew up in Christian homes, going off to college and deconstructing, you know, as, as we now call it, uh, it was, 
it was a couple of years ago. And before that was really like a big popular hashtag, people were still doing it, you know? And so this is 2019. And I, I got this idea actually by listening to another podcast of a pastor who was really advocating for doing apologetics type series in their in your, in your sermon series. And I thought, you know, I could do something like that. And so what I did is I kind of leveraged the radio program and my website and blog, and I put out an anonymous poll to people. And I asked everybody to share it. Hey, share it with many people as you can. Um, and it had two questions on there. One question was complete this sentence. I could never believe in a God who fill in the blank. And we had some suggested answers and we also had a form where you can just put in your own answer. And then we asked people in the next question, do you identify as a Christian or not? And so what we found is about, it was about half and half, you know, we got several hundred answers, but we got half and half from people who said, uh, I, I am a Christian, but I'm struggling with this issue. This has always been a hangup for me. I want to believe, but I, I struggle with this thing. The other part was people who said, I'm not a Christian, and this is perhaps the biggest reason why I'm not a Christian. So we took those answers. We originally had what we thought were eight key topics. We expanded that to nine, and we said, okay, let's just answer these. Let's give real, rational. We're not going to hide from it. We're not going to give cliched answers. We're really going to deal with and wrestle with, face them head on these uh, questions. And we're going to seek to give um, really good, rational, but also biblical answers. Um, And our goal is to say, kind of like the gospel of John, right? I've written these things so that you might believe. That That was our goal. Let's see if we can remove some of these barriers that maybe there actually are really good answers out there and people just don't know them. So rather than having an adversarial approach to uh, evangelism and, and apologetics, rather than having that thing, like, you know, we're going to put on the armor and go to war against the culture. We were say, actually, a lot of people have questions, which if we could actually just give them a solid answer, maybe that would help them. And they'd say, okay, you know, we've removed that barrier. Maybe we remove one at a time and slowly, slowly we take their hand and walk them into faith and trust in Jesus. That was our hope. That is great. Um, do you give us some of the content that's in the book? Just real quick. Do you have the outline in front of you? I don't, but I know it by heart. So um, go for it. I've got it right here too. I can fill in a blank. Sure. Yeah. We, we started out with the empirical questions. Uh, has God proven his existence? That was, We got these kinds of responses. There's just not enough empirical proof to believe in God. Another one was, I can't trust the Bible. Why should I trust that? You know, it's a dubious, it's of dubious origin, or at least that's what people assumed, or maybe they had heard rumors about it. And then uh, we went into the ethical questions. If God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, I'll tell you what, this one actually wasn't one that we got a lot of response on. We we did get some, but this is one that actually I struggled with. And I think the people who are more familiar with the Bible, they struggle with this idea. Like, hey, I'm reading the Old Testament, like 1 Samuel, and it sure seems like God's condoning and even encouraging genocide. Um, How do we make sense of that? The killing of children and things like that. Um, Is that okay? right? Um, could we believe right. in that kind of God? And then we got into other ethical issues. Does God encourage the suppression of women and minorities in the Bible? Um, does God um, create 
hateful, hypocritical followers. It isn't just like, are some people hypocrites? Well, we, we all know that's true. But does Christianity actually create those people by design? Or maybe not by design, but it does so whether it wants to or not. And th- then we got into you know questions like hell. Is God truly good if he sends people to hell? Or if he says that some people's love is wrong? That's a really big issue where I live in Boulder County, Colorado. And then the, the next ones were definitely much more, I guess you could say subjective, right? Why does God let good things happen to, or bad things happen to good people? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? So those are the nine topics. Yeah, those are outstanding. I've read the book. I'm two thirds of the way through the book and I've skimmed it all. And the topic on why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? I actually use this. I, brought, I went out to my car yesterday for some friends that are having a situation that were where this question came up and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm reading this right now. So I went outside and I gave the book to my friends mm. and I said, you need to read this chapter, read this one first. It will really help you. And that is just dynamite. Now I, I read the book and I'm an evangelism and disciple making equipper. And so I read it and I'm going, this has got to be in the hands of every Christian because you're, you're addressing questions that are relevant barriers for many people, even within Christianity. And so let me ask you this, how have people who have not yet crossed the line of faith yet, how are they responding to the book? Yeah, great, uh, great question. I have got a lot of responses from people who are not Christians because here's what happened. There was a initial, you know, a lot of interest uh, of people like yourself who said, hey, I'm going to buy this book for, for people. And I've also kind of challenged people. I said, hey, listen, let's say you're not a Christian. Let's say you, you are hung up on some of these things. Maybe just give my responses uh, uh, honest listen and see what you think. And so I've had a lot of interactions over the past two months that the book's been out um, of people who said, you know, I'm not a Christian. Here's my struggle. And, and here's uh, your response. And that's led to kind of follow-up discussions. You know, usually it, it hasn't been, uh, if you will, like the one slam dunk thing. Right. Usually there, it just reveals that there's more layers to the thing, but it's starting to melt the ice, if you will. It's starting to, you know, put a crack in the stone uh, that will, I believe in many cases actually lead to people, you know, having to lay down their defenses and having their questions answered. Um, What I like about the book is that it is footnoted. I mean, you footnoted this very well and it's not a long book, everyone. I mean, this book is, I think a hundred, let me look 140 pages, 145 some odd pages it's, it's an easy read, really. And, it, and what you did that's really good is that you made it readable with reasoning in the writing. And I think if you're having any conversations with people today, these are the topics that are on their mind. Matter of fact, the one on um, women and the one on um, ethnicity and uh, the same uh, minorities, that's one that I believe the conversation has actually been shut down unless you are on the radical one side or the other, the real conversations I believe have been shut down. Everyone that needs to be talking is being very careful now because political and cultural Mm -hmm. things have squeezed us as Christians. And we're scared. 
we're scared to say anything. I, I'm not scared to say anything, but I'm a little scared to say stuff. And if I'm, if I'm scared to say stuff, everybody else is in trouble on the issue of race. Uh, because I'm usually very bold on that. I, I love to talk it out, but I'm like, man, you can't say anything anymore. So in this book, I felt like you really gave handles for opening that conversation. And, if, and I would, I would suggest to our listeners buy the book because it's like a class. If you want to be equipped for having conversations and lovingly having answers, this book, I don't know of a better book that's not 300 pages long and so dense that your average person would read it. I don't know of another book. Um, well, I, I appreciate those things. You know, just I'll, I'll speak to two of them real quickly. Uh, first of all, the race, racism and racial stuff. Uh, I've been saying this around our church lately is saying, guys, like as Christians, we've been against racism since before it was cool. And now that it's like, in some cases, not cool we don't change, right? Like that's the cool thing about being part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom has a culture and that culture isn't dictated by what's popular in, in this society or that part of the country or that country in the world. It's, you know, this is our culture. This is what we're about. These are our values. And that's the nice thing about it. And I think that once we start talking about that and saying, Hey, this is not new. We've been saying this for 2000 years, championing these causes, and we're still doing that, whether you know it's labeled as this or that in our particular society. Uh, I think that that's a powerful way to approach it. The other thing I want to talk about is just the footnotes. You know, uh, I know that you appreciate this because you, I know you, you have a formal education. Uh, when I did my master's, you know, that was one of those things where you better footnote everything you say. You can't just say something. You better put a footnote on that to prove yourself um, and, you know, quote your sources. And I think that that was something that formal education really helped me with. Um, and I think it does add some credibility to the book, right? This isn't just, um, you know, Christian hearsay or stuff like that. Yeah. And that's important. We live in a day and age where everybody's getting fact-checked. And my opinion is, please fact-check me. Please fact-check everything. We believe in a gospel that we believe is true, and therefore we want it to be fact-checked. The uh, I, I thought I saw somebody in Twitter or somewhere a few weeks back that said this book is worth the buy just for the first chapter. I think, and I said that, and I thought, wow, this is really good. Then I read the second one on the Bible, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is even better. If you want to know, people don't do not realize, Christians do not realize how the Bible was formed and the mm. technical things that go into it. You synthesize that so simply, and and I'm going, oh, every Christian needs to read this because too many Christians don't have a good response for it was written by many men, and it's been changed throughout. You synthesized that, Nick, so well. Uh, it was great. So let me ask you this. How are Christians responding to the book? Oh, very well. You know, the response has been really good. Um, and just, you know, to look at, at both sides of what you asked me, how have non-Christians and Christians responded? I think that um, the non-Christian non people who've read it and the Christian people who've read it, I think what makes the book unique as far as books that I've read in this vein of apologetics is just that um, it tends to take a much more um, kind, I guess, kind of 
yeah, that, that was my goal was to speak kindly to people and not assume that they're my enemies. Right. But just kind of say, Hey, you know, here, let's have a conversation about this. I'm going to treat you honorably and respectfully. And, um, and let's just have a, a conversation about these topics. I, I think that that tone that I tried to infuse into the book has been uh, very disarming. So I've personally had a lot of family members. Uh, I have a large family and I'm one, only a few of us are believers. And a lot of my family members, just because I'm in the family, they went and bought the book. And that really excited me because I knew that many That's of them, awesome. yeah, many of them have not had, um, you know, kind conversations with Christians. It's always been very, uh, you know, emotionally charged and uh, people throwing their hands up and walking away. And th- this is, I think, you know, by having that tone around here, at least where in our area here in Colorado, it really helps the conversation keep going. How, uh, rather, what is your suggestion for how people should read the book? And then how, how can people use the book? How do you maybe see churches using the book? Yeah, great questions. Um, here's what I would say to anybody who reads the book. Just open up to the table of contents and just start with whatever chapter um, you find most intriguing. And that it's meant to be read that way. It doesn't have to be read linearly. We did uh, group the chapters by, you know, like I said, largely empirical questions, largely personal questions, et cetera. But I would say, this is what I did with my son. I have a son who's 14 years old. I handed him a copy of the book and said, which of those chapters is most intriguing to you? And he immediately said, well, this one about hateful, hypocritical followers. And so I said, read it. So he opened up and read it. And uh, that was what excited me, was that this is a question that he personally had been you know, thinking through, maybe not in a way that's causing him to give up on Jesus, but it's something that was on his mind. And so I said, okay, read this. And then, um, you know, let's have a discussion about it. A way that churches can use this is I would say, take any of those topics. Um, and, you know, if you want to use that as a basis or as a tool to help you speak to your congregation about that, my advice is this as Christians, sometimes we can get in the habit of having conversations almost as if you could picture in your mind's eye a group of people standing in the midst of a busy city in which a lot of conversations are taking place. And they're standing in a group of 10 people all facing each other, talking about something. And yet, you know, outside of their circle, crazy things are happening. Everybody else is having a different conversation. I would say that it's our uh, imperative as evangelists and as ministers of the gospel to actually answer the questions that people are really struggling with. We don't, we, we shouldn't be pandering right in the sense of like, well, what's the thing I need to talk about that's in the culture today. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying that we need to make sure that we are answering the questions that people are struggling with. And, and maybe it means taking the time to ask people, what are you really struggling with? What do you find uh, to be the biggest barrier to embracing Jesus in the gospel. And then the last way I'd say that it could be used, I think it could be used as a great curriculum for your youth group to go through um, or, or even your, your 
community groups. Wow. Uh, we've had some groups go through this. I had a lady the first time that was used that way. We've had more since, but the first time this lady uh, owns a company and she was at her staff meetings at lunch by, I guess it was like an optional thing that her employees were allowed to come to. She would just uh, have a discussion group based on these topics. And she used the book as a basis for that. I, I think that's a great idea too. And hopefully in the future, you know, we are planning to write a youth study guide or a community group study guide to go along with it. Yeah, that would be dynamite. Um, yeah, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says there's a gift of evangelist. And I, I think that that gift is more is found, all of those five, but they're found in the equipping part of mm -hmm. it, not just doing evangelism, but equipping people, the text says, to do the work of the ministry. And so I just find this book uh, and fascinating on that aspect. Um, so if you were going to, now that you've had the books brand new, but now that you've had a few weeks since it's been out, what would you, you look back and you go, I wish I would have included this, or here's a topic that I didn't include that we still need to talk about. Any of that? You know, I haven't had that. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe that's just, I haven't put enough thought into it, but I would say these are the the topics that I, I still continually come back to. Uh, there might be new ones in the future, um, but as far as right now, I think these are still pretty relevant. The, the book uh, and approach reminds me of, uh, I can't remember his name. He was the evangelism guy out of Willow Creek years ago. Mm. Uh, Middleburg, Mark okay. Middleburg. He had a real rational, uh, apologetic, approach to uh sharing the gospel and he he had broken things down into pre-evangelism which is basically being friends with people not just because they're projects but because they're people mm -hmm. and then he he said the culture that we live in is no longer home-based that kind of talk he said, we don't live in a culture where people just receive the gospel for its face value. They have questions, he was saying. And I think your book helps us in this culture address the questions. Not only these, and if there's others that, that it would pop up in a person's life, I'm sure they will. By reading this book, uh, people will get equipped in how to reason, because you do a great job of that in the book of leading the conversation of why. So you're not just like banging on propositional truth. You're also giving rational, like the hypocritic, the hypocrite passage. I thought that is genius. The way you parse that um, mm. is to show that, Hey, we're all hypocritical, aren't we? And ma make space for grace. And you, the way you laid that out really helps. Uh, very, very excited about the book, Nick. Well, I appreciate it, Alan. Very gracious of you. Very, very encouraging. Thanks. Well, man, thanks for coming on again, guys. Thanks for listening. Get the book. It's in the show notes. Grab a couple and give it to somebody. Maybe you could get the book and say, hey, would you like to work through this book with me and maybe meet with someone once a week, buy them coffee and just get some of your friends. And trust me, if you want to share the gospel and be prepared for questions. This is like a Bible college class. To me, this is a book that you make required in a Bible college evangelism or disciple making class because it helps you be equipped to answer the questions. And the book is written in the now. It wasn't written 30 years ago. So uh, amen. So buy the book 
And uh, Nick, again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Any final word? Oh, you know, I would just say, keep, um, keep conversing with people, find out what it is that they're really struggling with. There are great answers out there. And, uh, and I would just tell people, you know, sometimes people are afraid. What if I don't know the answer? I, I think that's a perfectly fine thing to say because it keeps the conversation rolling, right? You can say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to look into it and let's explore this together. And you can begin to have a dialogue. I, I would encourage you to do that. Well, amen. Well, again, Nick, thank you for being a part. Thank you for the love, man. Thank you for the friendship. Thanks for what you're doing at your church, of course. Your church is all great. Uh, get on the uh, website, everybody, and check out Pastor Nick Katie. Check out the Calvary Global Network. I'll put a link for that in our show notes. And we will see you on the next episode of the Stoke It Up podcast.